Hey, Dunker Punks, you're listening to the first episode of 2019 for the Dunker Punks podcast. It's a new year, and that means it's time for dun 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 New Year's resolutions. While we listen to our theme music, why don't you go ahead and set a resolution for what you can do to help care for the environment? by now you've come up with a resolution. Maybe you were inspired by our theme music to take up organic gardening, or maybe you're committed to reducing waste, using less energy, or lobbying for action on climate change. Or maybe you're still not sure where to start. That's okay. Caring for the earth is a big responsibility, and sometimes it can feel impossible to know where to even begin. In today's episode, you'll find inspiration from a group of members of Warrensburg Church of the Brethren in Warrensburg, Missouri, whose lives provide plenty of inspiration for ways that you can live gently and preserve the earth. In this episode, moderated by David Pierce, they discuss ways that they're serving as stewards of the earth in their personal lives, in their congregation, and as members of their community. Let's hear more from David Pierce. Thanks for joining today's podcast, where our topic will be environmental justice. We'll be joined by three members of the Warrensburg, Missouri Church of the Brethren Congregation. In the area of environmental justice, they will talk about their personal roles, civic and community responsibilities, local church actions, as well as the role of the church based on actions at the annual conference. 
I'm David Pierce, and I will serve as your moderator. First, we'll get to know our guests, and they are Barb Curtis, Phil Miller, and Mark Pierce. So first of all, let's uh, talk with Barb Curtis. Barb, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, David. I have been a member of Church of the Brethren for five or six years, and I came because this particular congregation is extremely open and loving and supportive, and I would say involved in the community in unique ways, and that really appeals to me. Great. Thanks, Barb. Phil Miller. Uh, I've been a member of the Church of the Brethren since I was very young, uh, even preteen. So uh, my father was a Church of the Brethren minister, so I probably didn't have much choice at the time. <laughs> but I found it a, a place that, uh, as Barb has said, a, a very accepting place locally and very involved in some issues that I am interested in. And uh, some of my interests uh, – Besides that are things like bird watching and bicycling and uh, being just being outside and, and doing things in nature. Great. Mark Pierce. I've been attending the Church of the Brethren in Warrensburg for about three years and formalized my membership uh, just uh, three or four months ago. And uh, I find it to be a real inspiring congregation, very humble congregation. And uh, while you think of a small rural-based congregation – as maybe uh, being insular, I find it very refreshing that the congregants really care about people around the world of various races and cultures and have respect for other religions and faiths and uh, just pretty exceptional in that regard. And uh, so I like associating with people that are like that and uh, that live simply and humbly uh, and truthfully, I think. So it's, it's exciting. Great. So thank you, Barb, Phil, and Mark for being in the program today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God commanded, let the earth produce all kinds of plants, those that yield grain and those that yield fruit, and it was done. So the earth produced all kinds of plants, and God was pleased. And that sounds pretty familiar from uh, from Genesis. I'm going to ask you three, what are some scriptures or what are some spiritual aspects that kind of guide you as far as principles when it comes to our environment? Um the world that we live in. Barb? When I think about that passage from Genesis, and it goes on, of course, you all know, to detail the order of creation, I think it's unfortunate that the authors included the line about humans having dominion over it because we've taken that too seriously. Rather than to be a member of the community— we think we have dominion over the community, and I do believe it Im- impacts the way we relate to the other living organisms that we share the planet with. Okay. Mark? When I think of the scriptural basis for environmental care and concern, I just think that to the New Testament, um, you know, Jesus had a lot of admirers and followers and was surrounded by multitudes of people, but there were very few people whom he could trust. And that's even within the apostles. You know, uh, they would find themselves wandering mentally or falling asleep when they'd been told to keep watch. Uh, he was even betrayed by some of those. And, and those are some of his closest associates. But one of the persons in the New Testament that uh, Jesus loved, that he respected, admired, was, of course, John the Baptist. Uh, 
And John the Baptist was a very unusual and distinctive person of that day in that he removed himself from the economy of that time and uh, lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and, and, and wore furs. And so he was very much apart from what was civilized society of that day. And to me, it only makes sense that if Jesus had such a respect and admiration and love for this individual, then I couldn't imagine that he didn't also appreciate the personage that was John the Baptist that had such an environmental connection. And so to me, that's a a very strong reason why I think it's uh, totally within the Christian tradition that we also ought, ought to have those same kind of feelings toward the environment. So John the Baptist really stood out from other his peers. I mean, the way that he dressed and how he acted, and certainly his his values were different than many of the others of the day. And I think uh, I think that's something that we can be proud of if we have different values from uh, much of what goes on around us. And I think uh, certainly Jesus did not object to the environmentalism and the connection that John the Baptist had with his environment. Phil, what are some things that uh, resonate with you? Well, as I was thinking about this uh, question, my uh, mind kept returning to Genesis because uh, the creation story that begins right at the beginning of the Bible is uh, seems to be a very poetic, beautiful uh, description of, of the creation. Uh, and it, amazingly... Uh, what we know scientifically now, and Bible is not a scientific book, uh, the way things happened are very similar in, in some ways to the way it's described there. So it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, and one of the things that I really appreciate after each day that, that it talks about different things being created is that God said that it was good. And to me, that that means that we as part of creation should feel the same way. We should be protecting it. We should be good stewards of what is what is being created. And uh, things that are, to me, that I get most spiritual, uh, the spiritual aspects of, of my myself are when I'm in nature and uh, looking at all the beautiful things and just realizing that we're all, everything is tied together in some way and uh, we're all part of this, not just humans, but the entire creation, and, and it's something we need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Did you bring any quotes or, or anything you want to share? Uh, well, this isn't exactly the uh, maybe the, the biblical quotes, but I, actually I have a couple quotes by Billy Graham that I think uh, alert us to uh, what's happening and also uh, what what we should be doing. Uh, one of them is the growing possibility of our destroying ourselves and the world with our own neglect and excess is tragic and very real. And the other one is to drive to distinction something God has created is wrong. God has a purpose for everything. We Christians have a responsibility to take the lead in caring for the earth. Thank you. At the 1991 annual conference of the Church of the Brethren, it was adopted a report called Creation, Called to Care Statement. In that report, there are seven things that all members of the Church of the Brethren are encouraged to do, and I'll read some of those. Affirm the goodness and beauty of God's creation, and I'm going to ask you to respond to to some of these. Acknowledge our special responsibility for stewardship of our earth. 
learn of the environmental damages facing the planet, recognizing that our practices and styles of life have an effect on the environment, pursue a lifestyle that is wise and responsible, exert our influence in shaping public policy, and become involved in organizations. What's your thoughts of the uh, that report back in 1991, Barb? Interesting, when you first began, we were talking about environmental justice, and a group that I belonged to some time ago had a slogan, live simply so that others may simply live. And um, one of the reasons I live in a house that was built in 1905 is because I treasure the materials that that house is built out of that were sourced from my neighborhood when trees still grew in our county that were harvested for lumber. And to me, it would be a shame to bulldoze that house and then import timber from Canada to build a new one. Mm -hmm. So live in it, love it, take care of it. Okay, so... Any, it started out with, before I threw anything away, I would look at it. Can I use it again? Why am I throwing this away? How much bulk is it going to create in the landfill? And then I began backing that up with, wait a minute, before I purchase this, how many times will I use it before I'm putting it into a container to send it to the landfill? To take every action seriously and purposefully, and that is a lifestyle so that others may simply live, if I can keep it simple. Other thoughts? Mark? Well, I think it's really a far-reaching and visionary thing that the Church of the Brethren's done, and I just learned about this a few months ago myself, though I knew that the congregation, the local congregation, and the international congregation was very environmentally conscious. But uh, in doing a little research for a newspaper article I wrote, I found out about this 1991 decision um, unfortunately, at the time that that was made, most people were talking and feeling that way and and, uh, and really looking forward to uh, trying to make the environment the best it can be and to try to remedy some of the problems that were happening. But since then, there's been a, a political nature that's uh, roiled people's uh, perspectives, and uh, it's become more a combative field of discussion. And that's a shame, a real shame. And I'm especially proud of the congregation and the church for maintaining uh, the aspect of we can do better and uh, we should do better. And how can we do better and let's do better together. And uh, so uh, that's one of the things that uh, really edifies my feeling about the church is, is its steadfastness in, in looking at environmental actions and concerns, much as most of our nation did back in the early 90s. And uh, hopefully we'll be somebody that leads the way in the next two, three, four decades. Phil? Yeah, we've talked about a number of these kind of in our opening statements also about our responsibility and the goodness of creation. Uh, and uh, we have, as a, a church, uh, done some – we've sponsored David Radcliffe, who many people in the Church of Brethren are familiar with, and he has certainly uh, – instructed us about environmental uh, damage if we didn't know about it before on our own. Uh, the lifestyle part that uh, Barb has talked about some, uh, an, uh, another aspect of that, I think, as Americans is realizing 
the effect that we have on uh, the environment compared to people in other countries because of our lifestyle and how much more of nature we're using up compared to uh, people in other countries. And and when we do, um, when we create pollution as other countries, it often affects the people who have nothing to do with it, the people in uh, maybe developed countries who use very little uh, energy compared to us, but they're getting the effects of uh, climate change and global warming just like we are, and it, in many places it's affecting them worse than it is us uh, because they don't have uh, some of the, the means to, you know, to uh, cope with it that we do. So the encouragement to do something politically is, I think, is a good part of the paper. It's something that, that we, we must have government involved, I think, to, to really make progress uh, to help us along. And being in organizations that uh, work for, the, for pr- providing protection for the environment uh, is another aspect I think is really important of those seven. Okay, let's get into some of the specifics that, that was encouraged in that 1991 report. Um, Barb, you kind of touched on on your philosophy on uh, reusing and reducing and recycling, but tell us some some of the things the Curtis family does uh, on a personal level, and and how I think you've been a role model for others on on being a good steward. Well, that's interesting, and there's so many aspects of that. Um, we're very careful, for instance, not to use a lot of paper products, and no styrofoam, ever. Except for those rare times when you're at some public function and they hand you a beverage in a styrofoam (laughs) container. Um, We drive one vehicle that has a very excellent rating as far as its consumption, and it has an econo setting. And then we leave the vehicle parked whenever possible and walk or ride our bicycles. We've done that for a long time. We compost. I do not have a garbage disposal. Everything from our kitchen goes right back into the compost and right back into the ground. Um, Things like newspapers get stacked up and taken to the vet who uses them before they get recycled. Um, I like your community pickup. I mean, you have a pickup, but anyone can borrow it. We have a pickup truck. It's not a particular... it has an eight-cylinder engine, so it's not a particularly environmentally sound one, but it isn't too bad in on the carbon footprint, but it is available for anyone to borrow. And that means that other people don't have to rent one or um, they're able then to share in it, and then they don't feel like they all have to own one. Um, and that's something that we've done for years and mm-hmm. are very happy to, to share. Now that it's on the radio... Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no phone numbers. <laughs> no phone numbers. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Mark, uh, organizationally, what are some things to do? Well, I happen to be uh, the current president of Citizens for Environmental Action here in Johnson County, Missouri. But these two people with me here today are also members of that organization and longer term members than myself. Uh, but I think that's indicative of uh, our congregation and that they are involved in what they believe and what they talk about. And uh, 
So Citizens for Environmental Action is a locally established organization. Uh, quite a few biologists, retired faculty members from the university here in Warrensburg are involved in that. And, uh, and I feel privileged to be able to walk the grounds uh, throughout our county and particularly our, uh, our reestablished prairie, Turkeyfoot Prairie here in Warrensburg, and to have those biologists at my side telling me what I'm looking at and what the significance of different plants are and the different uh, progresses and operations that are going on naturally that uh, help us to have uh, insects for the birds and what the birds do, what the insects do, and uh, and the whole symbiotic process. So it's really an exciting thing to be a part of that. The organization also uh, encourages recycling. And, of course, Barb is one of our guest speakers that uh, talks about recycling quite often and takes that message out to the community. Uh, so we have a concern there. Uh, there are land use issues. Um, one of our members, one of our former presidents and founders, Vern Ellsbury, has gone to the county commission and, and talk to them about the importance of leaving some of the native wildflowers on the roadsides uh, throughout the county because it's from that stock of wildflowers that monarch butterflies are able to find uh, their milkweeds that they uh, eat and lay uh, eggs on that continue their migration from Canada to Mexico and, and back. And, uh, and a succession of wild-blooming plants is an important thing. Now, these are wild-blooming plants that are not sprayed with insecticides. And so you need those waste areas to produce that type of fauna or that type of flora if you hope to have a good natural fauna uh, that comes out from that. And so it's people in this organization that are aware of those things and, and continually reminding people and teaching people about those concepts. And so that's a beautiful thing. And there are more political actions that may or may not come up as time arises and, and encouragements and uh, letters to the editors and other things that members of the organization are involved with. And it's just keeping an eye on the pulse of our environment from people within the county that care. And uh, and like I say, many of those people that are involved are also members of the congregation. Phil, uh, the church in Warrensburg specifically has has done some things to um, be environmentally aware and to uh, make some positive changes. Can you go over those? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Since I've been here in the last 10 years um, – We've done a lot of things that I would say has lowered our carbon footprint, uh, so to say, and I'm, I'm guessing that we have lowered it at least 50 percent, uh, possibly more than that. Um, the church has uh, put insulation in the parts that can be insulated. Our church isn't very easy to insulate part of it. It's got one of those big V ceilings, you know, that uh, are open and uh, you would have to do a lot of things to to actually insulate that, but we it have has great we, acoustics, though. <laughs> <laughs> we have insulated what we could very very well. We have installed a seven and a half kilowatt system of solar solar system, which uh, takes care of most of our electricity for the year. It produces somewhere around ten thousand kilowatts of power a year. Uh, we have uh, just. Uh, redone our entryway with a very efficient doors and, and glass, and that was a really a, a big energy lo- leaking loss place that uh, has really really been improved. And little things that uh, maybe aren't as saving as far as uh, energy, we we do try to keep our building 
uh, temperatures at places it's since it's unoccupied often during the week we try to keep those at temperatures that won't take nearly as much fuel and I, I think it's been a significant saving but I, I really don't know how it is compared to others um, and you have a monitor at home to know what the inside temperature is is that right uh, I can monitor two of the three right now I okay. Need, we need to get one more thermostat. <laughs> that's great. Uh, so that that's been very helpful, but that's very recent. Yes, and uh, our parsonage we've insulated at very much in the ceiling and put in new windows that replaced windows that uh, one resident said I put plastic over them in the window in the winter and the wind blew them off. So <laughs> they were a little bit leaky. So I'm quite certain that there was great improvement there. Um, and we've done. Uh, educational things also. And uh, I mentioned David Radcliffe before. He's come almost every year for eight or nine years. Uh, Tom Benevento, who some people are also familiar with, came and did an energy audit of the church before we started doing all these things. Uh, We have a bike rack to encourage biking. We have put a bench along a walking path to encourage uh, the bikers and walkers in a path there in front of our church. And our last Uh, forum, we passed uh, a resolution saying that as as a local church of the brethren, we are still in the we are still in the Paris climate agreement. So uh, those are educational things that maybe don't save energy, but they let people know that we're concerned about the environment. Well, and thank you for taking the lead. Uh, I know the whole congregation's involved, but you've certainly taken the lead on a lot of those things. Well, since 1991, uh, what has the church said on a on a annual conference basis regarding environmental justice? I know some of you have attended the annual conference, um, and so what what have we progressed since then, or what are some things that are left to be done? Well, <clears throat> I think most people um, in the church know that the church passes statements, queries, and things that come from congregations and. Um, Actually, since 1991, if I'm correct, I looked at it recently. The only thing we passed was this this last year, which was a pretty non-controversial uh, resolution uh, that was mainly aimed at doing what we have done at our church, encouraging churches and districts and the national church to to conserve energy, to make their buildings and the things that they do more energy efficient and uh, gave giving resources of trusted resources that congregations could uh, tap into to to help them as they progress along this way so it was you know it's certainly a very important we've done a lot of that but it's not um it's not a statement that the church made as a whole, like the "we are still in" statement that we've made locally. It's not a, a statement, and I'm not sure whether that would pass right now or not. Because there's, uh, I guess, Mark alluded to the politics of what has gone on with some of our environmental initiatives, and um, that's true in the church too. Mm-hmm. So there's division. Right. Thank you. The earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, 
and few are left. That's from Isaiah. In closing, you know, each one of you have children, some of you have grandchildren, and I'm sure that we're all concerned about the legacy and and what kind of earth are we leaving for our family. Can you offer us any encouragement, Barb? I was in a restaurant this past week that uses, and it was a very casual, outdoor, fast food kind of place, not a tablecloth, tablecloth kind of place, a casual restaurant, and they use actual metal utensils, and they use actual porcelain dishware, and they have an actual dishwasher, and they are not cranking out throwaway stuff. And that was encouraging to me. It's one little thing. And then I might also say I have three post-middle-aged children who are raising my grandchildren, and all three of them are engaged in some kind of recycling. One of my daughters, the one least apt to be a recycler, lives in a community that demands it, requires it. (laughs) The other two are voluntary recyclers. And every time I visit their house, it makes my heart sing to think that my grandchildren are seeing this example. Well, you've set a good example. My grandmother set a good (laughs) example. You know, it gets passed on. Right. And that's what our job is as the church, as the church is to pass it on. Mark, some encouragement? Well, I think some of the encouragement might come from some of the devastation. Uh, people are becoming very aware of the big plastic disposal uh, places in, our, in the middle of our oceans, maybe thousands and thousands of miles away from civilization. But because of the way the ocean currents uh, move things uh, all of a sudden you find these miles and miles and miles of disposed plastics in the middle of the ocean. And um, when things like that are pictured and, and brought home to us, the al- alarming nature of them sometimes spurs action. And you hate to have to s- only have action when you see such awful and terrible things. But certainly uh, when we see those things, hopefully it will s- uh, spur action in a positive direction rather than in a negative one. I do think that some of the recent shots of the ocean have helped uh, to lead people to think about using that straw, that plastic straw that they don't need to use, and um, disposable cups, you know, and, and things of that nature that, that stick around for hundreds of years, and, and, uh, and, and just plastics in nature. Is there a good way of, of uh, recycling them back in a positive way into our environments? And, of course, the, the new plastic-like materials from biological sources, there are things that are happening. and uh, But sometimes it takes a nudge, and sometimes that nudge is ugly. Uh, but hopefully we will learn lessons from the ugly and start acting in a more appropriate manner for long-term sustainability. I'll just throw in a couple more uglies. Uh, the, the storms and the sea rise, and we have seas that are coming into some of the cities on the East Coast on a, on a regular basis, just in the tides coming up. And, I, you know, people are starting to realize that the ocean being warmer and picking up, then storms picking up more moisture uh, is doing some of the things that Mark has talked about also. Uh, I do an awful lot of reading about what is happening and. I guess uh, the move toward renewable energy is one thing that gives me gives me about the most hope because I know that we just can't burn nearly all the fossil fuels that we know are in existence now or we're going to 
uh, be uh, in a state like you just described in Isaiah, that it's going to be too hot for us to exist. And uh, so the faster we can move that way, and I see uh, companies going 100% renewable. I see, I know what electric company is going 100% renewable. We have states that are to have set uh, standards for when they're going to be 100% renewable. And so that is one thing that gives me hope and also just the, the groundswell of people that seem to be concerned about it. It's, uh, it seems like that's becoming larger and larger, and, and it's, it's got to do uh, – it's, it's something we all need to take part in, and I, I view that as a very positive thing. I'd like to thank Barb Curtis, Phil Miller, and Mark Pierce for being a part of today's panel to talk about environmental justice. They're from the Warrensburg, Missouri Church of the Brethren. I'm David Pierce. We want to thank you for listening to this podcast, and I'd like to close with this quote from Gandhi. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you, David, Barb, Phil, and Mark, for sharing your testimony of lives of stewardship and gentleness. A few days ago, I saw a post on Instagram by Tim and Katie Heishman that reminded me a lot of this conversation. Tim and Katie are Church of the Brethren pastors who are committed to living as gently as they possibly can. In the picture, Tim was holding up a bag of garbage. They estimated that it was about two gallons of trash. Those two gallons represented all of the waste that Tim and Katie had generated in an entire month. Two gallons. One gallon per person. By comparison, the average American produces four and a half gallons of trash every single day. Tim and Katie might not be living out in the desert wearing scratchy camel hair coats and eating locusts like John the Baptist, but they are living proof that radical stewardship of our earth is possible with commitment and effort. But they weren't sharing about their success to brag. Their message was simple. You can do it too. They gave some tips for getting started, and you might want to take notes if you're still working on your resolution. They suggested to start with composting, refusing single-use disposable items, eating more vegetables, and avoiding plastic packaging. It's that simple. Barb, Phil, and Mark are also living testimonies of the simple truth that we are all capable of being stewards of the earth. More than that, we should all feel convicted by our faith to do what we can to live gentle lives that do no harm to the environment around us. Meanwhile, we should engage in education and advocacy to convince our neighbors, our friends, our society to do the same. I was moved to learn that Warrensburg Church of the Brethren decided as a congregation that they will live as though they are bound by the Paris Climate Agreement. How inspiring for a small community of faith to dare to stand shoulder to shoulder with the world's nations and resolve that this world's burden to preserve our planet is their burden too. To say that we claim our responsibility to our neighbors and to future generations 
even if our own government fails to step up to the task. During the Advent season, I came across a verse, Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known. The Lord is near. What if our reverence and gratitude for God's beautiful creation was so magnified in the way we live our lives that our gentleness was known by all people? We should delight in this world that God has provided for us. But to truly cherish it, we must protect it. We must be an example to our neighbors, an inspiration for our world, and a voice for generations yet unborn who have a right to live on a clean and sustainable planet. Think again of your New Year's resolution. Write it down, put it up on the fridge, and follow through. Do your part to be the faithful steward of the planet that God created each of us to be. Thank you for listening. Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from around the United States who are dedicated to sharing stories of gentle lives lived for peace, justice, and a sustainable planet. Today's episode was produced by David Pierce and edited by Jacob Krauss. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. This episode and all of our episodes are made possible by the generous support and hospitality of the Arlington Church of the Brethren. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts. To listen to past episodes of the Dunker Punks podcast, or to learn more, please visit arlingtoncob.org slash DPP, or go to dunkerpunks.com. Find us on social media at dunkerpunkspod, and contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Be sure to review and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you so much once again for listening. Be on the lookout for a new episode in two weeks.